Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, good morning, Resonate. Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Well, apparently not that good. Just mess with y'all. It's good to be here with y'all today. If you're joining us online, I'm excited to be leading y'all today as we wrap up our series called Seasoning. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about the fall. And I am, I love the fall. Everyone loves the fall. Everyone looks forward to the fall. It's the season where the weather is great, unless you're in Texas, because the fall seems to last about 12 minutes. And then it's summer again, and then it's winter, and you wake up the next day, and you're like, well, what season are we joining, having today? That's kind of how it works. And, and so I'm excited to be with you all. Uh, and so each week, we have looked to answer a specific question in regards to that season. And our question today is, how are you preparing for the next season of harvest in your life? How are you preparing for tomorrow? And, and that's a great question, but so often we don't ask that question. We ask questions like, God, when are you going to get me out of this? Fill in the blank, whatever that this for you is. We ask God, like, this is so hard. Why me? Why did this happen to me? When in reality, we should be asking the question, God, what are you trying to teach me in this season? What is it that I need to learn? What is it that I am missing so that I can move on to what you have next for me? Because here's the truth, no matter what season you are in, God is trying to teach you something. And he will use that season of your life to teach you. See, so often we become dissatisfied with where we are in life. We look around and we see everyone has the things that we want. They have the, the, the success that, that we want. Their kids act the way that we wish our kids acted. Or person got a promotion that we wanted. We become dissatisfied. All of us want to live in the harvest. We want to live in that, that place where everything is going great and there's no struggle and we're receiving the benefit of our hard work. But the truth is, the harvest is just a season. It's a small season that happens after the hard work, that happens after the preparation that happens after the struggle. This idea of hard work really makes me think of my grandpa and my dad. Uh, they literally are the two hardest working men I've ever known. My grandpa is, is gone to heaven, uh, and my dad is still with me. But every single day growing up, I remembered watching them work hard, doing something that day to prepare for the next, doing something to prepare the future, and I would never see them slow down, and, and I admired them for that, and, and that built a work ethic in me, uh, but there's a story of my grandpa. I, I was talking to my mom several years ago, and she said that she came home on lunch one day, a lunch break one day, and she saw my grandpa walking around on his roof fixing shingles. Now, you have to understand something. He was 87 at this time. And he literally had trouble getting up from his chair to walk across the room. But he was on his roof. And my mom was like, what are you doing? You should not be up on the roof. And he goes, well, the roof might leak if we have a bad rain. And so he was preparing for a weather that might not even come. He should have never been on the roof. He should have never been 
walking up there, but that's just the kind of person he was. He worked hard. He never slowed down. Even until he could hardly work anymore, he was still preparing for the future. So they, they taught me so much. They, they taught me to work hard, but also they taught me to enjoy the journey. I remember growing up, my dad would make us laugh like nothing else. And, and I remember one of the last stories of my grandpa before he passed. He was, on the, he was on the ground crawling around like a bear with my little girls. And he was about 88, 89 at the time, just having fun. They taught me to enjoy the journey. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at this season of fall and look at this season of harvest a little bit differently. Because I think that the fall season comes and goes in our lives a lot more often than we think. So we get so focused on the negative and all the bad that's happening and, and the wanting of other people's stuff or whatever that little dissatisfaction looks like in your life that we miss those little opportunities of fall that come into our lives every single day. See, uh, really, the fall is a lot like Texas. Where you wake up today and it's cold, but who knows? It might be 90 by the time, it, by the sun, by the, time the sun goes down tonight. We don't know because the, the seasons change so regularly. We might wake up tomorrow and it might be fall. It might be the, the weather might be great. So let me explain what I mean by this. I'm a parent now. Um, I have three daughters, seven-year-old and two uh, twin five-year-olds that literally just turned five this week. Uh, and being their parent is a lot like banging my head against the wall on a daily basis. And if you're a parent, you kind of know what I mean. It can feel like that sometimes. Because Eric and I, we spend so much of our time trying to instill into them the skills that they're going to need to be successful adults. Like be kind be respectful, clean up after yourself, share your toys, these, these qualities that we want them to learn, be loving, speak nicely to one another, don't demand everything. So it's literally, we find ourselves doing that over and over and over again, and then we turn around, and they're pulling each other's hair, they're taking their sister's toy. They're leaving the room without turning the light off. That's a big one for me. What's that, what happens when you become a dad? You're like, turn the light off. I'm paying for this bill. What are you doing? That's just kind of how it's, how it's happened for me. But every now and again, you witness those small, what seem like miracles. If without you even asking them to do it, they're cleaning up after themselves. Or they're sharing their favorite toy, or they're just being generally a good person. And you're just like, man, it's worth it. The hard work, the constant daily struggle is worth it. And you witness those small kind of mini harvest, if you want to call it that way, those small victories. Those things should be celebrated or maybe there's a habit in your life that you've been trying to break for a long, long time and you're starting to see little progress here and there. Those are those many harvests where your hard work pays off. Those should be celebrated. Those should be celebrated. See, these moments, they might come quickly and they might go quickly. But what I want to propose today is that we don't waste those opportunities. 
That brings me to my big idea for the day is that I don't want you to don't waste your harvest. Whether it's a small little season, a small little victory, or maybe you're experiencing an extended period where you got that promotion you've been working hard for and you have an increased income. Or maybe your kids are off to college and you're an empty nest again. You're like, wow, where'd all this extra money come from? Where'd all this extra time come from? Or maybe it has nothing to do with money. And you're just like, there's something that you've been trying for a long time and you finally have victory. Don't waste those opportunities. Don't waste your harvest. So if you're with us last week, Pastor Daniel taught, uh, and he, he was teaching about Joseph being in prison for an extended period of time because he was wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife. And while he is in prison, he has the opportunity to interpret uh, Pharaoh's chief baker and chief cupbearer. He has a chance to interpret their dreams. And so th- there's a season where Joseph does that and he tells the chief uh, cupbearer, hey, don't forget about me. But as we read at the end last week, he did. And Joseph continued to stay in prison. And so uh, I want you to pick up in Genesis 41, it'll be on the screen behind me, and we're really quickly want to read this verse. It says, two full years later, Joseph has already been in prison waiting for a long period of time, and now it says two full years have passed since our last text last week. And it says this, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile. So he had this dream... Oh, there we go. Sorry, practice went out. He has, and in fact, he actually has two different dreams. And I, I'm not going to read specifically where they were, but what they were, but it'll become clear here in a second. But in the first dream, he had a, he, he dreamt that on the bank of the Nile, there were seven healthy fat cows that were grazing. And then suddenly, seven scrawny thin cows came up and ate the fat cows. And so he woke up from the dream and it was kind of like, well, that was kind of weird. I don't know what that meant. So he went, he went back to sleep. And then he had a second dream where there were seven healthy heads of grain that were growing up. And then seven scrawny-looking, withered heads of grain grew up and swallowed up the seven healthy grains. And then they were blown away by an east wind. And so he wakes up from this second dream, and he's kind of startled. He, he's like, I've had these two dreams. They're very similar. And he begins this process of trying to get them interpreted. So he brings in his uh, magicians. He brings in his advisors. He brings in his leaders. And no one can interpret the dream. And then the chief cupbearer remembers Joseph. Let's jump to verse 9. It says, finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago you were angry with the chief, the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. When we told him our dreams, he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. See, Joseph, he is in prison, but he is not wasting the opportunity of his imprisonment. 
He could have sat there and like, you know what, I'm in prison. I, I shouldn't be here. I've been really given a raw deal. But he doesn't. And he uses that season to position himself to be ready for the next. To position his waiting for a season of harvest. And so Pharaoh hears, he hears about Joseph and the chief cupbearer tells him, hey, this is what happened. So Pharaoh removes him from prison. He cleans him up, shaves him off and shaves off his beard. I'm sure he's been in prison for like 15, 16 years now. So he probably is pretty gnarly, honestly. And you don't want to come before the Pharaoh looking like that. So he cleans him up and he brings Joseph and Pharaoh tells Joseph his dreams. And so uh, let's jump to verse 25 and we'll read Joseph, Joseph's interpretation of the dreams. And I want you to listen to this carefully because it's really important. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same, te- same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. That's important. God is telling Pharaoh through this dream that's now being interpreted by Joseph what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. So there's going to be seven years of prosperity followed by seven years of famine. Verse 28, this will happen just as I've described it. God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what what he, sorry, is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. I love the story of Joseph. Because of his faithfulness, because of his not wasting his opportunities, he is placed precisely where he needs to be for a specific purpose. See, he went through a lot in his his time in prison. And he learned a lot. If you remember back in week one, we talked about uh, Joseph's lack of discernment when speaking to his brothers, him being the stereotypical little punk kid brother, says, hey, you guys are going to bow down to me. God told me. But when he comes before Pharaoh, his attitude is completely different. In fact, if you would read, uh, read it right above verse 42, Joseph literally says, hey, Look, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is what you should do. You should appoint a wise man to come and take care of this whole thing for you to prepare for the famine. He doesn't say, hey, God told me that you're going to bow down to me, so you should put me in charge, and I'll take care of this. No, that's not what he said, because why? He learned while he was waiting. He learned while he was in prison. He learned skills when he was in Potiphar's house, managing Potiphar's land and Potiphar's house, To be able to, uh, he learned from that to be able to teach and lead the whole land of Egypt. See, he trusts God in his season of waiting. He trusts God in his season. And because of that trust, because of that understanding that his harvest 
was coming, he is about to receive a great harvest. Verse 42, after he told Pharaoh this plan, after he told Pharaoh what was going to happen, the Pharaoh, this is what it says, verse 40, uh, Genesis 41, verse 42 and 43, then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for the second in command. And wherever Joseph went, a command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Finally, after all of the struggle after all of the adversity, after being sold into slavery, he's finally receiving a harvest. Joseph is experiencing in his life right now what all of us want. We want that season of harvest where things are just being poured out on us and things are easy. And the, the struggle is not there anymore. But think about this. Think about all he went through to get to that point. He was sold into slavery. He was disowned. He was wrongfully accused. He spent many years in prison to get to the point to be ready to receive his harvest. See, in reality, we all want the harvest, but we don't want the struggle it will take to get there. Let me read that again. We all want the harvest, but don't want the struggle it will take to get there. Joseph remains faithful in the face of his adversity because he knew a harvest was coming. So back to our, back to our story, I'm gonna just kinda, I don't want to spend a lot of time reading through the text, but I want to just kind of tell you a little bit of the narrative. So J- Joseph is put in charge, and the prosperity comes. Just as he had predicted, just as he, as he had interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and the the these seasons of famine are so or sorry these seasons of prosperity are so amazing that he was literally at one point they stopped counting the grain that they had stored up because it was just so abundant it was filling the storehouses that more storehouses were built in the season of prosperity and they just stopped counting Joseph doesn't waste his harvest he doesn't sit back and say, hey, you guys go do that. You, go, got, you guys do that. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I'm comfortable and that I'm personally prepared for the famine. No, he uses that time to make sure all of Egypt is prepared for the famine. I want you to think about this. If you knew right now, walking out the door today, that you would experience several years of prosperity in your life, And you also knew that you would, after those years of prosperity were over, you would experience several years of famine. Would it change how you live in the prosperity? Would it change the things that mattered? Would it change how you spent your money? Would it change how you spent your time? Would it change what you spent your time doing? I would have, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone in here, but I think everyone in here, if you knew famine was coming, you would prepare for it. You, you would be ready for it. 
It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy the harvest and we don't enjoy the season. It just means that we're wise with what we're given. That we understand that everything that has been given to us has been given to us by the fa- our Father in heaven. And that we are to be managers just like Joseph was a manager of Egypt. See, the truth is that none of us know when the seasons are going to change. We don't know when we're going to unexpectedly get a phone call that a family member is in, hospi- in a hospital. Or that you're going to get a phone call that you've lost your job. Or that your business is sold and you're going to have to move. We don't know when that's going to happen. That's why it's so important to not waste the opportunities that the seasons bring. To not waste the harvest and to be prepared for the future. Turn with me one more time to verse 54 and we're going to conclude our story today. And what happens next is amazing. Then the seven years of famine began. So they've had the seven years of prosperity. They've stored up all that they could store up. And now the famine has began or begun, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. Why? Because Joseph didn't waste his harvest. He was prepared. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe throughout the world. Did y'all catch what just happened right there? Joseph knew something that a lot of times we forget. He knew that his harvest was not just for him. He knew that all of the season of struggle and all the adversity that he went through, he has received his harvest and he knew that it was not just for him. He could have closed the storehouses and said, hey, I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, we don't want to run out. No, he doesn't do that. He opens the floodgates, so to speak. He opens the storehouses. He could have closed Egypt off to the rest of the world. But he doesn't. He allows people from all over the world, all over the region to come. And because of Joseph not wasting and not squandering the opportunity of the harvest, the whole region is saved, including his family who sold him into slavery all those years ago. But what is so amazing about that, we don't have time to go there today. I wish that we did. But because of this one act, he literally saves the line of Jesus. Because if Joseph, having every right to do so, hey, my family, bye-bye, sorry. You sold me into slavery, you're done. No, you cannot have grain from Egypt. And what would have happened? They would have died. In so doing, possibly cutting off the line of Jesus. But Joseph doesn't do that. He rescues and he saves them. He saves them. So what do I want you to do with this sermon today? 
what I want you to do with this seriously, I think there's a couple of things that we can uh, grab on to this and walk forward with. The first is that whatever season you find yourself in, wherever you are right now, know that God has something to teach you. And until you learn whatever that is, you might not ever move on. And you might not ever move into that season of harvest. So this is the question I want you to, or not the question, this is something I want you to do. Embrace and see the opportunity in each of the seasons. Embrace the hard times. Embrace the good times. Embrace the season of waiting. Embrace the seasons of hard work with no return. Because God wants to show you something in that season. I've said this many times, and many of you know my story with my daughter Addison. Uh, We went through a really, really, really hard season with her through her two years of treatment. Really, she's still in treatment now. People ask me all the time, you know, would you just like not want to go through that? And the obvious answer is like, no, I'd never want to go through that. But that's not my answer. My answer is, I wouldn't change it for anything. Because of the winter season that we went through with Addison and are still going through with her, we have an amazing opportunity to show the love and grace and hope of God. Was it hard? Well, absolutely. Hard doesn't even begin to describe it. But was it worth it? Absolutely, because one day when Addison understands what happened to her, she will get to be a mouthpiece for how amazing God is. Eric and I were just talking about that the other night. There's going to be a time where we're going to be able to explain to Addison how God healed her and how she literally is a miracle. And she will be able to tell people about that. Through our winter journey... People's lives have been changed. Really, not a day goes by that I don't talk to someone that's been impacted by our story. And someone that's reaped a harvest because of what's our winter season. Second, we have to understand, just like Joseph, we have to understand that our harvest is not just for us. That God wants to use us to be a mouthpiece for Him. To show the world how good and faithful he is. And that goes for the small seasons of harvest, those little daily moments that sometimes we don't even see happen because we're so wrapped up in all the negative. It also goes for the the seasons where things are just going great. And and real quick, I I don't want you to get your mind wrapped up on money here. It's so much, harvests are so much more than just money. Like I mentioned earlier, maybe you have a habit in your life that you've been trying to break for a long time and you're beginning to see progress. Maybe you have someone you've been praying for for a long time and God finally gives you an opportunity to share the gospel with them or to come alongside them and say, hey, I'm here for you, I love you. Those opportunities are to be celebrated, but in so doing, we point back to God. This, this isn't about me. God, allow me to use the things that I have, whatever it may be, for your glory. God, I don't want to waste this opportunity. I want to use this harvest in my life. I want to use the season in my life as, an, as a platform 
for you to stand on to show the world who you are. So I have two next step challenges for you and we'll get out of here. Number one, embrace the opportunity of this season by asking God, what are you trying to teach me in this season? If things are going great right now, God, what are you trying to teach me? If things are really hard right now, God, what are you trying to teach me? If you're just waiting and nothing is happening happening at all, God, what are you trying to teach me? The truth is we should wake up every day asking that question. God, what are you trying to teach me in this? Just think of how differently life would be if we stopped saying or stopped trying to control everything, stopped trying to fix everything ourselves and just said, hey, God, what are you trying to teach us here? What is it that I'm not understanding here? What is it that I'm not getting because when we don't learn, we don't move on. And then we become stuck. Just imagine, you know, you're in eighth grade and you want to go to high school. But you're not learning what you need to learn in eighth grade and you keep failing over and over and over and over again. You're never going to move on to high school. Next, next. I want just to ask the question, how can I use my harvest for those around me? How can I use this season of harvest that I'm in right now? Or how can I use those little moments of success and those little glimpses of harvest in my day-to-day life for those around me? Because when we have that perspective, we put other people before ourselves And we allow God to use us in a way that's so much bigger than ourselves. Joseph, because of his faithfulness in putting all of Egypt before himself, he was able to save Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and then the rest of that region. And he probably never knew that was going to happen. So all of us will go through cold winters where nothing makes sense. All of us will work really hard in that springtime and see little progress. All of us will experience season of just waiting in the summer. But I ask that you embrace those times. I ask that you understand that God wants to teach you in those seasons. Because God has something very important for you to learn. And if you learn that thing, you never know what the harvest can look like pray. God, I thank you for today, and I I pray as we go about, God, our day and go about this holiday season, God, that we would just stop, God, wherever, whatever season we're in, and say, God, what do I need to learn so that I don't waste this season, so I don't waste this harvest? We just love you so much, and we thank you for all that you do for us. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. See y'all later. Have a great day and be safe out there.